to speak to them about all of the blessings that they have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And everything in this letter, from the beginning to the end, has to do with the cosmos. That is, the whole order of creation, from the top to the bottom, as if creation were a hierarchy of God to the very top, and to the very bottom is the dust and the ants and everything in between. That's why he goes on at the end of the letter to mention the household, the Christian home, which is his instrument by which he will govern the world and is governing the world now. But the very beginning of it all, which will be our business this morning, is the opening verses. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus, and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That's the high part I was talking about. All the way up to the heavenly places. Blessings. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, That we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of his will. To the praise of his glorious grace. With which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses. According to the riches of his grace. Which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will. This is the verse today. The mystery of his will, according to the purpose, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And all things means all things. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And this is Paul unpacking everything. And in the most broadest sense of that word, everything in a short few verses. Speaking about the highest heavens, the cosmos, but particularly the phrase here that he draws from in verse 10 as a plan for the fullness of time. As a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things. To unite all things in his son. Things in heaven and things on earth. As we are here at the beginning of what might be called A sliver of time, a a conventional sliver that we call 2022 by a Gregorian calendar in an American country. We have a, a thing called 2022. 
And you and I stand on the very precipice of that sliver, the edge of this thing, this almost arbitrary label we have for time called 2022. Because time goes quickly. It goes very fast. It goes faster the older you get, seconds to minutes, hours and days. And we have years which move quicker and quicker. And life changes all the time. The way we even measure time is by change. Or we measure change by time. That's all it is. The world is moving. Things are happening. God is eternal. God does not change. God is superior to time, yet he makes time and he puts it inside this little box called time and everything that's ever happened in the history of anything is in that box. But everything inside that box is prone to passions, to change, to movements, from being to becoming, from what once was to be gone, locked in history and lost. Your childhood is gone. All you have are faint memories of that. And this moment that is now is now history. It's a sliver of a thing that is moving. Whatever is now is already past. But God is outside of all of that. Outside of change and outside of anything that is prone to decay or alteration. Yet we are subject to it constantly. And so what is the purpose of all of this? Why are we here? What is this? What does it mean? To be subject to this kind of changing pattern, this this story, this life that we live. Why are we here? Why are we doing this? Paul does not leave it to some type of big speculative question of, well, maybe we could uh, speculate. And you have an opinion here, and you think the meaning of life is this. He starts out from the very beginning to say, this is the meaning of life. Jesus Christ is everything. He begins by saying, it was always this way. He actually, there are a few, very few portions in all of Scripture in which we are actually given access to knowledge before time as we know it. All through the Psalms, all through the Old Testament, God is spoken of as being ancient of days, which is presumptuous of time, days. He is of old. He is the one whose years have no end. Years that have no end. But is God actually still free from time? Here it is. Here is the verse. Here is the point where Paul actually goes so far back to say, this is how we know what it is all about. The mystery, the, it is a mystery, of course. But he's saying that mystery has been revealed in part. The mystery of his will by a purpose that was set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. Let us take this morning to meditate upon Jesus Christ so that we dare we, dare we waste our time. Dare you ever waste your ever fleeting life. I remember when I was Still maybe in high school, I can't exactly remember. My, mem- my personal memory is terrible, but I remember really foolish things I did and do. So I'm going to share one. Uh, I was driving through Michigan, and I don't remember exactly. I think I know where I was trying to go. I, if I remember the story, I think I was trying to get to a, uh, I was meeting a friend. Like he had a, re- a resort 
uh, his parents had like a resort somewhere, and I was like, that's a free vacation. I'll meet you there. And he, he told me to come, come. And so I was driving through Michigan, and I think one of my turns uh, was around uh, Detroit. And so this is how life works. You get in the car, you drive, you've only had your license for maybe a few years, and, and you're not really, well, you really just don't care about anything because you're a teenager. And I drove, and I just kept driving. <laughs> and I missed the whole city of Detroit. Like, I missed Detroit. Like, not just like a road or a turn. Like, I was on the highway, and I was driving, and I was looking forward, and I don't know if anything was going on up here. But I, pipe, I bypassed one of the major cities of our country without even noticing it. And was so late. And, and, and realized that I had driven multiple miles past Detroit. Uh, and, and that is an image of really how we live our lives. It's true. We just go through the motions. And before you know it, months were years. And minutes were miles. See, there's a danger to be uh, disoriented from time, like a car that's always moving. We are in motion. That is what time is. We are always moving. What we have here this morning is a roadmap. We have an orientation. We have Jesus Christ so that we might know that our time is moving in the right direction. We might know what we are doing with our days, our times, our years. We might be Oriented, not disoriented. Now see, there are various dangers of being disoriented about our time, about the, the dash of our life, what it means. You can make small mistakes, like at the end of your work week when you're overloaded and you just didn't budget your time very well for a few days. That still is the same as missing a vision for Jesus Christ. Because if you can get up in the morning, no matter what it is you have to do, and realize it is done in the presence of God and for His glory, you can take out the garbage with joy. You can do the most menial, simple tasks with joy. If you can see that your time is before Him, that everything was meant to be worshipped and adoring in Him, we know that usually when you get to the end of the day or the end of the week, we say, where'd the time go? And we, we come back to center. We're disoriented of what we lost. These are minor mistakes. There's bigger ones. You can waste many years with your children, and they're gone. They're not children anymore. They're adults, or teenagers, or whatnot, in a different stage, and it's gone. And that can happen very quickly. The worst, the most tragic is not budgeting the time of our life, that when we come to the end of our life, it would be on our deathbed to say, if I only had more time, if I only would have done this differently, if I only would have set these priorities. Now that's the greatest of all tragedies, because that is when it is over. There is no recalibration for the time that was missed. And the wisdom that Paul gives us here in Ephesians is to say, if you could just I don't know, go to church once a week, do regular devotions, and look at Jesus all the time. He has set these metrics, these mile markers in our life from day-to-day -day worship, family worship, regular public worship once a week, that you cannot get off track too badly. 
You have other believers, other people in your life, the church community, for other people to say, have you seen Jesus lately? Do you remember who he is? Well, without that, you will bypass Detroit and much more by missing Jesus Christ. Because at the end of the days, if you would be negligent or worried about anything you've missed, it would be because you've missed a vision of Jesus Christ, who Hebrews 9.27 says it is appointed for man wants to die. And then after that comes judgment. Or 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That is where it is all going. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether for good or for evil. Now if you live most your life outside of that reality, that is what we call... A tragedy. A true and proper tragedy. The only way to be oriented, to spend our time well, is to know why this time is here. And to do that, Paul does this amazing thing where instead of making an argument to say, well, we'll just keep looking into the future and I'll show you that Jesus is down there and that's why it's important, he does the exact opposite. He goes very far back into the past so that he might say, if you know the very, very beginning, the end will be clear to you. If you know why, then you will know why. If you know the first why, then you will know why at the end all your time matters. It's like a rubber band. The further you pull the rubber band back, the further the rubber band can go forward. And here, in almost no other place in Scripture, Paul has pulled the timeline, the rubber band of all history, back as far as you can go. So that when he lets it go, you will know exactly at the millennia of the millennia, a trillion years from now, this is what it was all about. God is an everlasting God. The phrase is this this is where he goes back. He chose us. Verse 4, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Do you realize the Bible starts, the first verse was, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That's where the Bible starts. And Paul went back before Genesis 1.1. Before even the beginning, this is how it started. He chose you in him before the foundations of the world. Before time was. The reality of God in his eternal counsel. That is the counsel of the father and the son. Together before time. Consoling one another. God is Mind, that is, he's knowledge, he's omniscient, he thinks, he has intentionality without changingness. And before there was ever anything, there was the Father, there was the Son, there was the eternal proceeding Spirit. And the Father considered the Son 
and thought of you and put you inside the Son. For all who are in Christ are in the Son. And you, before even being created, were in the thought process of God. Inside the eternal Christ. So that as the Father considered the Son, Paul says he chose us in him before he even made anything. So that's why we're here. That's why we're here. And he takes that all the way back into eternity past and says, and then he started making things. Which begins to invite the question, then why? And how does this relate to Jesus? See, I had an experience this week to see old friends. Friends I haven't seen in quite some time. And when you go back like that, and you see old friends who look different now, and you look different now, and you can look back far enough, it actually orients you into the future. You realize, oh my, how the time has flown. Oh my, I wish I should reorient my time because I haven't seen you in a while. Maybe we could get together more regularly. But it's going back. That way you can look forward. See, the scriptures say that God is very old. That is to say that he was before time. Psalm 93.2 says, Your throne, O God, is established from of old. You are from everlasting. He is superior to time but enters through time. But time is his thing. It's what he made. And not only is he very old, he always continues. Psalm 102 says this, Of old you laid the foundations of the earth. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will wear out like a garment, but you, uh, you will change them like a robe. They will pass away, but you are the same, and your years have no end. When God first laid the foundations of the earth, he created the stars and the heavenly hosts. And we're told in Genesis that they are signs for seasons, days, and years. And what are the heavenly hosts? Nothing more than just change. Just big gravitational masses of motion. It's just one large clock of planets that turn perfectly calculating. That we could look at the stars at any time and know that at point things have progressed because Venus was here and now it is here. It is a marker to say things are moving. There is a change. There is a motion. This is how God created the world within time and time within the world and motion as time and time is a motion. What is our clock? Our clock is just a stick that moves. We see a moving stick and we think time is happening. That is what time is. But the non-motion, non-changing, non-caused God who is outside of time, and even before he set the foundations of the world with all its heavenly hosts, he considered you. That he would choose us in Christ. You can't go further back than that. And it's not arbitrary. The word for his choosing here is a word that has reflection. It is a word that deals with himself. That is, it is not as though God sees us all as chess pieces, where he just moves us around. When he is considering us, the word indicates that he is considering himself. That is, this is a, an intention 
motivated by love. Love. I love, I love this quote from Bernard of Clairvaux. He says, He loves you more than you love him. And he loved you before you loved him. He loves you more than you could ever love him. And he's been loving you before you even knew him. Outside of time, controlling all things. In John 17, Jesus prays for his people. And he says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. To see my glory. Do you realize that's it? Paul's going to get into it. The whole reason of it all is just for you to behold the glory of Jesus. And you cannot behold that glory in the same way as if you were to pass through this sin-riddled world. You have to go through it. You will not see the kind of glory that the perfected angels do see. Who never had to experience the fall from grace and into sin. You will see a glory, a beam, a light of the beauty of Jesus for all of eternity. Because he set the whole course of motion of creation into this plan. So that he would redeem you. So that his measure of love would be expressed in his son in such a way that all of creation would marvel and be intrigued to say, how could God's love be so? How could it happen this way? And so Jesus is praying that the ones who he would have would be able to behold his glory. And he says, because, Father, you loved me before the foundation of the world. The Father's Love for the eternal son before the foundation of the world wraps up his love for you before the foundation of the world. It is all about Jesus. And then 1 Peter 1, 2, he, Peter says, Jesus was foreknown before the foundation of the world and is made manifest in these last times for the sake of you. The Father's Loving knowledge of the Son before the foundation of the world is wrapped up in the same fact that He knew you before the foundation of the world. That you are seated in that chair now because of then. That it is 2022 now because of then. That He has, and this phrase has to be dealt with. Ephesians 1, 11 In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestinated according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. All things. Every moment in time, every year, every minute has been working toward one goal. To the glory of his own son. That he would bring in the train of his robe many sons to glory. He goes on in Ephesians to say... So what is a good year for 2022? What could be your future in the next 364 days? You could have amazing experiences. You could die this year. What was the point of it all? What is the gospel? He begins by saying nothing more than he has blessed us. 
with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So from outside of time, you have the Father pre-planning and organizing. And then it moves to the second person of the Trinity, Christ, who enters into time. We're told in verse 7 in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. That is, the redemption of his blood. His blood came into this world. His passions came into this world. He suffered in this world for you and for me. He subjected himself to the changeableness of this world. He went from boy to teen to man to grave to resurrected Lord. Right? Redemption has to do with payment. Payment of blood. Forgiveness. That is debts canceled by the payment of his great riches. So in 2021, it was said in Forbes... Jeff Bezos is the richest man in the world of the 177 billion. And not to be outdone, 2022, Elon Musk has outdid it. Elon Musk is 200 billion. Tesla and building rocket ships, who knew? And Amazon was just trying to sell books. He did pretty good for selling books. He sold a lot of books. Um, but 200 billion is a lot of money. It's a lot of money. How do you, you'd have to pay people to spend that money. We don't have time to even spend all that money. Forgiveness. The riches of the payment. God opened up the storehouses of his riches. Imagine these barn doors sliding. And what do you see? Stockpiles of grain and food of a wealthy man. See a bunch of gold and silver piled to the ceiling. Billions of dollars. And all that comes out of those barn doors is Jesus Christ. Do you realize that Jesus is before creation? He is God's own son, the eternal trinity, love, eternal love of God. If there's any inkling of a warm feeling you've ever had in your heart of love, you have not scratched the surface of the Father's love for the Son. And walk, what walks through the storehouses of God's riches is Jesus Christ with his arms open, giving his life. And this is amazing. That it says, yes, yes, our sins are great, they are very bad, but his grace is greater the phrase is this, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. That is lavish. That is, he had more to give. That is what Jesus Christ gave you in his life. Oh, he could have even went further than that. It is though as if you have icing on a cake and you just have enough just to get to the top and you covered the cake maybe, but then there's a whole other gallon of icing and you just dumped it on and it was a whole six inches of icing on top of that cake. Just lavish. There is no, there is so much grace, so much love that pours over in Jesus Christ's life, his riches. It is more than billions. It is the actual power, the Im immediate cause of all creation, let alone money or billions of dollars or rocket ships or books. All the money and every value, everything that could ever be had in this world, from mountain to molehill, is from Jesus Christ. So how much more valuable is he that he would give his own son, his own son? He wouldn't pay you off with gold or money or a ransom price. 
He gave you his own eternally begotten son. The one who made it all. So therefore you will be saved. There is so much wealth of the riches of Christ. That your ransom is paid in full and then more. That is the gospel. When we say he's lavished this upon us. Oh, he did more than he even had to. He gave so much. Think of the difference between you and Jesus. You and Jesus. Why would he trade you for Jesus? That doesn't make sense. Economically, that's not wise. But if he loved you even before he made the rocks and the birds, it's exactly what he would do. The reason Paul goes back so far is for this. He explains the meaning of it all. Why do we have time? The purpose set forth in Christ, he says, this purpose, it was always his point to redeem the world this way. The purpose set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, filling up time, as if God had this conception of how time will lay out, but it's not actualized yet. It hasn't obtained. It hasn't come to being. So the fullness of time has to happen. You and I are in the middle of that. We call it 2022. But we are only one sliver of a chapter to remember that from the beginning to the end, it was this one thing, that the fullness of time would be in Jesus Christ. This everlasting God ultimately entered time so that he would die on a cross, be buried, resurrected, and ascended to the right hand of the Father so that, and this is it, he would unite all things in him. Then it says, and you have to remember this phrase, things in heaven and things on earth. Which is exactly how the story starts. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everything that ever could be made is heavens and earth. It was all made to be united to him. To come to him. That is, all streams are flowing to Jesus. And we are the first fruits, it is, of the new creation. That is, we are being united to him now. And some things are being united to him in actuality present. But we still live in a rebellious world where not all things are particularly under his feet. There is more to be conquered. There is more to be submitted to the lordship of Christ. Yet we now are the ones who say, Jesus, you have my life. You have my life. I have seen the way the world works. I know where the story's going. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You are the Lord, the King of glory. I submit myself to you. I bow on my knees before you. You are Yahweh. Not the rest of the world has figured that out yet, but they will. For all heaven and earth, that is heaven, even angelic beings, demonic beings, spiritual beings, and even the United Nations, will submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he meets us in a moment. And this is the third, final person of the Trinity coming into time. But from the Father planning this, the Son entering into it. And here we have the Spirit. Verse 13 says, In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, 
This is how it happens. You heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. You believed in him and you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. The seal is a wax that is pressed. It produces an image, a distinct mark. In the case of our analogy, we call it a timestamp. You get a postcard, you get a message sent to you, something in the mail, it will have a time stamp. It will say, this was given to you this time. And that very much is what the Holy Spirit does. He comes into our time, not just in the historic Jesus who came 2,000 years ago, but the Spirit comes in this moment, in this existential reality, when you're driving down the car, when your mind is flooded with thoughts, and then the Spirit comes in and he just goes... And he stamps you. He just stamps you. He marks you. He time stamps you to say at this moment, the eternal plan of God before the foundation of the world, actualized 2,000 years ago in the death, burial, resurrection of my incarnate son, has met you 2,000 more years in 2022, that the Spirit of God would push upon your soul, put his fingerprint inside you, and say you are marked. This is the time that you are born again. This is the time that you are born from above. You have been given the warmth of the knowledge of the affections of Jesus Christ. You have been bought. It, all this eternal plan came to you in actual reality during that time stamp, the seal, the pressing in of the Holy Spirit to mark you for Christ. As we know in the book of Revelation, if you do not have this mark, then you are not welcome to the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is it. This is the mark. And it comes to us in real time. So if someone were to say, what does a a carpenter on a cross 2,000 years ago mean for me? You want me to submit because you told me a story of Jesus? Yep. Exactly. Because it is not just that. It's because he is a living God. And the Spirit is alive and active now. And though he might have time-stamped his work of redemption 2,000 years ago, he is consistently today time-stamping his application of redemption now. And he will cut people down. He will open up your hearts. If you are proud, he will break you. If you are broken, he will lift you up. But he will save you. He will find you. And he will press himself in the depths of your soul that you would have no greater conviction than Jesus Christ. That if gravity itself would be denied, you would not deny him. He can get to that level of your conscience. And that is what he does. And he seals you with the Holy Spirit. So of course, naturally, he is completely in control of all of this time. He has worked it all out beautifully. And here is the reason of our year. 2022. If we remember this, we will not waste this year. Because what was just laid out before us now is the meaning of everything. If you have any New Year's resolutions that do not cohere with what was just said, they are fool's errands. In 1788, a man by the name of Robert Byrne wrote a song and it says this and you will recognize should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind 
should old acquaintance be forgot. An old Lang Syne. And the chorus says, For old Lang Syne, my dear, for old Lang Syne, we'll take a cup of kindness for old Lang Syne. It's an old Scottish song. The words translate old Lang Syne, old long since, or since long ago, for old time's sake. It's originally a story about friends who share a drink and remember their memories of when they walked in fields and when they enjoyed each other's friendship. And they take a drink to say, let us not forget our friendship. Because it is gone in time. For old lying sign. Later, Canadian radio hosts took that song and played it on the radio waves in 1929 for the first time on television for the next 30 years, and it was sung every New Year's. To remember, don't forget what happened last year because it is gone. Now this year, I watched the ball drop and we sang a different one. And it was, uh, I think it's Paul McCartney, uh, Imagine, which is absolute garbage. It says this, imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, and above us only sky. Well, that's really cute and it rhymes, and I'm not taking away from the music ability, the Beatles, but they're terrible at writing songs. Tell me it doesn't matter. Tell me it's just sky. All those memories I have, and then we just die. There's the lyric. Just made that one up. But you think about it. How are you going to tell me that none of that mattered? The rhetorical retort, the question is, should old acquaintance be forgotten and never brought to mind? Should it all mean nothing? Does none of this mean anything? And Paul says, oh, there is one mind. That controls all time. There is one mind that has not forgotten. There is one mind that superintended. That you were in the mind of the Father with the Son. That he chose you in him. Before the foundation of the world. Outside of this gospel. That you would not be in the eternal Christ. It would be better to have just sky above us. Because there is No memory outside of time. Unless you are in the eternal Christ who made time. Why would we ever weep for those that we lose? Why would we ever have, as we said earlier, nostalgia? Longing memories of good feelings that were nothing because it's just sky and atoms and rocks. No. That sky and atoms and rocks were made by eternal loving God. And you cry and you nostalgia and you remember because it's all important. And he is love. Outside of this gospel, 
There is no mind that can remember you or I. But even though we die, we be in his mind and be in Christ. And therefore be alive. Because all the way back from the beginning, this is how it always started. And that is the future goal of 2022. Dear Father, Lord, we thank you that you have put us in your mind. For that is safer than the highest tower. You have put us in your mind. It is deeper than the lowest bunker. For you have made it all. And you have made us. And we have found contentment. We have found life and light in your son. And Lord, we pray as we close that you would make us love one another as a church. That we would be a witness to this community. That the eternal God is full of love and even uses us to express that in time. For that is what this year will be about. To love you and to love others. We will not be disappointed. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand if you're able as we close in song.